0: Good morning and welcome to the Easter Sunday episode of the St. George's Rod and Stuff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Chaos River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Moniton. I am Lindsay Schutter, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis. And I am joined, as always, by the rector of our parish, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing?
1: Good morning, Lindsay. Through the grace of God, well. Um, I've rested after laboring in the vineyard as far as we can. Um, We've sadly had two deaths this week. Um, Brian Lekay, who died yesterday, and Keith Jenniker on Thursday. So we are mindful of their families and the loss that they've gone through. Um, And also, of course, Oli Week, um, although it's a slowing down process, it's also a very busy time. Um, leading up to Easter. And I'm very encouraged by the congregations that participated both in person and online um, to this very important part of our Christian journey. So, so, yeah, all's well through the grace of God.
2: Okay. So, just take us through
0: the idea or at least the experience of setting up for this Easter. Because last Easter, it was mandated that no one could gather. Um, and then this Easter, it's limited numbers. So, what 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 was your process going into the the Easter service?
1: I, I think one of the first things I can respond to is I, I'm so grateful to be part of a, a tradition that has a very rich liturgical history, and. Um, and when one comp, you know puts alongside the protocols that have to be followed, one is looking at things like, how much time are we meant to be in one space with a number that people give us? So it means a lot of trimming must come off. But what to trim and what to keep, uh, remembering there's a structure you've got to follow. Um, and what would then, at the end of the day, be meaningful for people? Because there's a lot of material, a lot to get through. Mm. Um, all of these services some of these um the services on easter for example has got five or six parts to it and each part has got a sub part to it mm-hmm. and we have to sort of trim that same time say how do we bring music into it relevant music into the to the service itself and uh, how many how many readings do we have and can we sort of trim the readings let's say from five to ten but. Do we not miss the message that the reading is meant to bring to us? So it, it's a lot of, of of that going on and where one doesn't want to miss the, the relevant opportunities that, are, that, uh, that, uh, that the liturgy gives us. For example, giving people to time to reflect on praise and worship, giving time mm-hmm. for people to reflect on confession, giving time for people to listen to what the scriptures are saying and what can be taught from them so and then also to participate in the prayers and the liturgy of the Eucharist so there's such a lot going on such a rich heritage that we can draw from um and um, and but i i would say for me was the, the looking at the protocols what time we can be together how many we can be together and then how they do I structure the liturgy not missing out the relevant parts of the elements of the liturgy and and uh, in this, for example, uh, no matter what time, normally when you do the Easter vigil, it's evening. But mm-hmm. does, does vigil only mean evening or is vigil keeping watch no matter what the time of day it is? So I had to think of how do I bring the, 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 the lighting of the Paschal candle into a service where you're supposed to only do an hour? Uh, because that in it itself, you know, the whole um, exultant that is sung, we can't do all of that, is there a way in which we can um, uh, lessen it without taking away its basic message. Um, and, you know, there's, there, the, the, as I said, the heritage that we have is just so rich, the, uh, you know, that in our tradition of liturgy and of scripture of history that um, one is able to find and prayerfully find creativity um, and try and present it in such a way that it brings meaning to people's lives
0: yeah yeah Uh, it was a a big thing i mean to to kind of strip out because i mean i've been a part of the anglican church for a while and um celebrated like service of light sort of stuff as being part of the readings doing one of the the readings for the morning um year and at St. Michael's in, in Pretoria. So I, I understand there's there's a lot that goes into it. And 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 it's interesting because Easter tide is like from Good Friday to Easter is a moment in Christianity where it kind of unites the old and the new testaments. Um, yeah. So it's straddles us, because normally on Good Friday, we like to do um, The Prince of Egypt, watch that with the kids, um, and then in the evening, Money um, will watch The Passion of the Christ, obviously less kid-friendly movie. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, focusing on the, the Hebrew journey, and then focusing on like the culmination of, of kind of the Christian journey, which is which is quite interesting. Uh, but we'll get into all of that, Father. Um, would you please kick things off by calling us together with the collective prayer and then I will catch up to you for the Liturgy of the Word.
1: You would find the colleague for this service on the podcast. And um, in at this stage of the service, we would have done what is called the service of lights, we, in which we would have lit the Paschal candle from a Blessed fire, as well as to light everybody's candle, uh, pronouncing the words the light of Christ. So let us pray together as we enter now into the liturgy of the word. Lord Jesus Christ, you transformed the tomb of death into the womb of new life. Make us joyful witnesses of this good news that all creation may be redeemed restored and reconciled for you live and reign in the unity of the blessed trinity one god in glory everlasting amen so the first
0: thing is from acts chapter 10 verses 34 to 43 Um, i'll i'll choose a couple of verses um, but i'll kick off from verse 34 peter began to speak I now realize that it is true that God treats everyone on the same basis. Those who fear him and do what is right are acceptable to him, no matter what race they belong to. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know of the great event that took place throughout the land of Israel, beginning in Galilee after John preached his message of baptism. I'm going to jump to verse 39. We are witnesses of everything that he did in the land of Israel and in Jerusalem. Then they put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from from death three days later and caused him to appear, not to everyone, but only to the witnesses that God had already chosen. That is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from death. So it's very specific information that peter refers to there specific enough that it gets a little bit <laughs> from a from a from a literary nerd perspective it's almost too specific so it's like he's very self referential of him and the 12 who were chosen by god so who else witnessed the life of jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus.
1: Well, we do know that um, uh, they were. Jesus was always followed by a crowd of people.
0: Mm.
1: How many of them specifically became followers? And those in the narrative of, of that is told. How many of them we know by name? Um, of course, we know the twelve. We know that Judas fell away, and at this stage he was not part of that. Um, group Matthias had come across, had come, has been chosen to be part of the twelve, um, and and so they were. I mean, there were women who were named who were not specifically called to follow Jesus, but as the disciples were, but he he actually they actually were his followers, and they would have picked up the narrative of his life and what he came to do through the engagement with him. I suppose I mean, if we take a thing like. Um, the pharisees they too were engaging him in various levels but their engagement was from, from a perspective of needing to silence him because uh, he was now in intruding onto the work that they were doing with the people uh, which was to their gain. it wasn't to the liberation of the people but mm. when he looks at these words here he says the 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 This is the post. This is post resurrection. Jesus had appeared to them in the upper room and had given them instructions. So based on their obedience to what he had done, they then now begin to tell the story as those who witnessed. Who Jesus is through what he taught and what he did. That doesn't mean there were no other witnesses, Mm -hmm. but the story. Of witnessing for Christ, now the victorious one whom God raised from the dead, was to be spoken through those that actually lived in close proximity with him, with whom he formed a community. And remember, there were there was a time when Jesus also said to the disciples who said to him, They noticed there were people who were talking in his name and baptizing. And Jesus said to them, there's, "There's some here that are not part of this group, but they continue to do what I do. So they're not in opposition to me. They are doing exactly what I have done, uh, and in my name. So, um, but I think this was sort of the official um, uh, crowd of witnesses that Jesus meant to to for for him for them to take the message further on." through their witnessing, others becoming disciples will also become witnesses. So X is the activity of the apostles in the power of the Spirit to witness to who Jesus is for the world. And in order to do that, they needed to know what the story was and where it began in order to bring it to its current time and its meaning for the future. Yeah. And, and so that. I, it doesn't exclude anybody else, but it, it's the main source through whom the witnessing happened because these people had the had an authentic experience of Jesus that others may not have had and others would not have had. And remember, Jesus also said uh, to Thomas, I think it was, uh, there are those who will believe because of your witness. Um, Luke's gospel, which uh, is followed on by... The second volume of Luke's writing, and that is the Acts, would have introduced us to the whole concept of you are my witnesses starting in Jerusalem through mm. yeah, the farthest ends of the earth, which was Rome. So, yeah, I don't think it excludes, but it is the one could say the official route, the authorized route through which witnessing had begun. Okay, so when it comes to
0: Personal witness in today's age, like you know, everybody wants to have a story. Like, where if (laughs) I don't want to disparage anybody, I don't want to. I'm not judging anybody. This is purely observation. If it sounds judgmental, um, I completely apologize. Um, It is not my intention. But you have many faithfully committed Christians who. You know that they are because they will tell you that they are and they will share their Christ moment. Is there, Are those less valid than the witness of the apostles? No,
1: they, they, they are witnesses in their time,
2: mm.
1: in preparation for the time to come. So, witnessing happens in such a way that when you witness and bring others to become disciples and then help them to become witnesses, you're preparing you for the next generation. So, in the current generation, we are called to be witnesses. What we are witnessing to is based on the witness of the apostles, based on the teachings of Jesus. Mm. And we have They didn't have that always, but they had the the oral story. They had the lived experience. We have the record of the lived experience, which can become our lived experience if we come to faith in this message of Jesus. And then we see the credibility uh, that Jesus brings for the hope of the world. And so we go out and witness to Jesus, through whom hope can happen for the world. In our assessment, um, we have to be a voice of hope out mm-hmm. there. Uh, if there's other voices of hope, um, we, we can't dismiss them. We engage them. Mm. Our, our departing point is that the hope comes for yes. us by God through Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God empowers us then to proclaim that hope into the context that we are living So there is a continuity in witness or should be a continuity in witness. Of course, where it breaks down is, um, is the witness and the worship, let's say, of of a particular denomination, Mm. more authentic, more in touch Mm. with God than other denominations? Now, denominations will tell you it is so. Mm. And part mm. of that is to preserve what they found to be their tradition. If they keep if they don't keep to that, if they don't uh, preserve their tradition, they will lose uh, power like the Pharisees, and they will lose money, which is something you spoke about the other day. <laughs> uh, but but is, but, but we need to sit still and say, is that really what we are witnessing to? We're not witnessing about the denomination. We're witnessing, to Jesus. Now, why should my way of bringing Jesus be of such a problem to a Pentecostal? What cultural things has crept into our witness that that is more important for us than Jesus? Um, because a, a, a cultic um, attachment has been made, and we've got to be very clear about that. For example, when we say we are Anglican, We have a tradition in which we have been brought to to tell the gospel story. Mm -hmm. Now, others would say, in terms of their reading of the scriptures, because that's the authority we look to, what the way that we brought it, but then, of course, we realize when the church got to Rome, there were historical implications for it, and those that adopted Christianity brought put it in such a way that it was used to bring their culture in. Mm. They they used, I mean, they were formed and shaped by culture. On one hand, we can't blame them. On the other hand, the gospel makes us clear. We can't go and speak to somebody else without showing respect to where that person is. It's in daily conversations that witness will happen. And that far more than what we say is who we are. How's the gospel transformed my life? How has Jesus Uh, um, transformed my way of being that would attract other people to say we need to follow Jesus because we see Jesus uh, is the way, the truth, and the life in your life. Um, Without me having to say, well, your way is wrong. There, You can't be proclaiming the gospel by saying your way is wrong and my way is right. That's not the gospel. Mm. Jesus witnessed to to, um, Nicodemus. (laughs) He was a man who was schooled in a a kind of religious faith. And Jesus had to minister to him because he was wanting to know how is one born again? What does this born again thing mean? He dealt with this issue. Um, The same thing we had to deal with um, in, I don't know what we're doing. When you're doing baptism preparation class, are you re-evangelizing those who have already been evangelized with the gospel as brought through a service of liturgy? Uh, to parents and godparents and to the the congregation about the centrality of baptism as being a member of the church. So in the conversation, we have to deal with certain controversial stuff, Mm. such Mm. as, for example, is there such a reality as infant baptism? Is there such a reality such as adult baptism? We must speak of that because that is what other denominations are speaking about and accusing one another of being wrong in terms of baptism. For many denominations, for example, the gospel is only about baptism for them. It's not about the issue of justice. Yet a Baptist pastor wrote and said, justice is a primary issue of the gospel when baptism is a secondary one. So, so, when we speak of, why should we, the churches then be arguing about it? Because when you look at scripture, there is no reference to infant baptism or adult baptism that I've ever seen. But I've seen baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People have read into that, mm-hmm. that only if you have understanding can you be baptized. So, infants therefore can't be baptized. Who said so? Because baptism is not about whether you understand or not, it's about the grace of God showered over us. So, therefore, in teaching a baptism class, what is the gospel we are bringing across to people? Um, and so, we have to, to deal with the, 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 the falsehoods out there. As we proclaim the gospel, we have to deal with what is not truth. And sadly, mm-hmm. Christians also speak in cliché form about the gospel, that the cliché become far more important than the essence of the message of the gospel, which is to liberate people. Mm. You know, when Jesus said to the man hanging on the cross, truly today you're with me in paradise, he was proclaiming the gospel, the gospel Mm -hmm. that was truth, and the gospel about being in the presence of God. But when you listen to that, People are concerned about paradise. Mm -hmm. That becomes the major issue for people. Now there's an argument because the Roman Catholics believe paradise is about purgatory. They believe that there's this process you go through before you can make it into heaven. If you haven't made your peace on earth, you can now sort your your life out in purgatory. Um, Yet when you read that message from Jesus as translated, He says, truly, I say to you, to that individual who petitioned him, to all that individual said, remember me. That would be good enough for me. If I'm going to go to the place that's warm, just to know that you are remembering me. If you can make that promise to me that you'll remember me where you're going to, then the pain that I'm going to may not be as bad. Mm -hmm. Jesus offered him far more than just memory. He said, today you will be with me sharing my presence. Paradise is... outcome of that experience of presence Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 so so you have people fighting about the term that is less important in that state in that in that good news and they they make that the the area of goodness rather than what jesus was really offering the person so yeah you, you know it's not just about i mean um and we've got to listen very very carefully because um, one man's way of approaching you evangelistically. One guy said, he saw me with a collar on. I was wearing my collar. I was at the bank. He's approached to me. Hello, brother. I've got a word of the Lord for you. Now you say, what is this about?
2: Mm.
1: Is he just going to quote to me a text now? And if God wanted to tell me that, why didn't he just tell me that? Yeah. Or needed I to hear through this brother what it is. And when I listen to him, then I say, what does this word of the Lord mean to you now? Mm. Just because you quoted the text. Mm. Now, the way this, this guy comes with the style, he comes, it will floss anybody. I chose to be, to critique it. Mm. I was sitting in church one day in England when I was doing a sabbatical leave. In it, uh, And there were churches in relation to one another in covenant. And this was a Pentecostal church that I had to spend time with. And somebody came to sit next to me and said to me, the Lord told me you must come to church more regularly. How come the Lord didn't know I was on sabbatical leave and that I'm a priest and that I'm in church almost every week, almost every day? Mm. And I said to him, but I am in church regularly. No, I'm just saying. So do you see how people break down mm. this call, this commission to go and preach gospel to people, their preaching of gospel becomes nonsense. Their witness is based on nonsense. You've actually
0: jumped the gun on a lot of what I was going to ask. Sorry, you. man. In closing, no worries, part... no worries, no worries, no so worries. but we'll we'll fast forward to that part now. Um, where I was going to say like the baptismal vows in the Easter service. Like what are people reaffirming? Um, it was also, on the back of this whole idea of like, what do we go to the tomb for, or what do people go to the tomb for? It was carrying on on the theme of Good Friday of like, what do we crucify every year? But now, after your enlightenment, um, I've, I've crystallized a couple of thoughts. So, with the the fight between like infant baptism and adult baptism, like infant baptism is an echo of circumcision, or at least the continuing of the covenant. So it's more about the parent pledging to raise the child in the faith. Mm. So that's the promise that is made. And then at the confirmation or at the bar mitzvah, a bar mitzvah is easier to kind of illustrate this idea. Then the child must demonstrate what they have learned. So they must read the Torah. Um, because they have been now instructed since they were small to this point, and now they can go forth and seek further knowledge for themselves. So confirmation, you roll up there. There's not supposed to be confirmation classes per se, like your parents should have been prepping, your parents and your godparents should have been prepping you for that throughout. And now you are just confirming that this is the life that you want to lead. So if framed in that, perspective it all makes sense and all arrows kind of point to infant baptism adult confirmation or at least (laughs) pre-adult confirmation in terms of timelines so then my wife brought up a very fascinating topic we were driving yesterday on good friday and she was like why do people say Happy Easter? Do you say Happy Easter on the whole weekend or just on Easter? So I was like, it's a, it's a grammatical error because even with Christmas, it's have a Merry Christmas. So it's like have a Happy Easter. So if you're not going to see the person when you in the time of the season, then you can wish them ahead of time by saying have a Happy Easter. So then people contract that and then just have the... A little bit, but I mean, that's the problem of having a commercialized religious holiday where I still maintain that the Good Friday portion is a little bit more important from a religious perspective when you're reflecting on the text than the resurrection. But suppose we now have to make everything, we have to make people spend money on octopus buns and on pickled fish and on Easter eggs and everything. We can't dwell on the fact that someone died, you know, <laughs> we have to always just look towards Easter. So that's why it's just generic happy Easter and not like sad Good Friday. You know, what, what do you think about that, Father?
1: Well, my my response is quickly to the last point you made. It was interesting that, in my research on easter on 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 Easter Sunday, um there is a a little garden in France which people can walk as a prayerful journey that depicts um all the events of Jesus's life. Um, and the writer, notice that the foot marks from where it starts, let's say from the incarnation mm. to the crucifixion, mm. there were far more, um, far more footsteps which basically stopped at the cross. Very few going from the cross to the resurrection. Mm. It's easier for us to deal with suffering and death because those are realities for us. The concept of new life and resurrection is far more difficult and we can see this in the in the embrace of in the conversation jesus had with martha he he had to bring her to say martha i'm the resurrection and the life do you believe this
2: hmm.
1: before he even raised lazarus from the dead so so the concept of resurrection and the concept of new life Eternal life is far more difficult to comprehend than it is to know. We know the reality of death and we know the reality of suffering. So that's why Good Friday probably is far more uh, attended. Ash Wednesday is far more attended than mm. Easter Sunday. You go and look in any of the church's records, you would find the attendance. Now, Happy Easter, I think generally you would agree, as the opinion guy, that people. Grow up with statements they don't reflect on more deeply to find its meaning. Mm. Uh, it's just words. But when you explore the word "happy," you are talking about a state of blessedness, because the beatitudes, uh, which we say blessed are the poor, blessed are. It's actually a translation. English translation would be happy. So mm. it's a, it's making mm. people happy. But what what are we saying? You must in you must be happy in. Now, Easter is more associated, the word Easter is more associated with Easter eggs and the bunny. So when I was in a parish in Fidership, there was one of the priests who um, was the warden of one of our seminaries, and he uh, is a Greek scholar. And whenever Easter happened, John would say to me, Christus inestus, Christ. Is risen. Mm. And he used the Greek word. So the greeting of Easter is not happy Easter. It is he is risen. Christ is risen indeed. That's how the Christian should speak. Because take away the Easter egg and the commercialization of Easter. The focus is on. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. It's the evidence that the tomb is empty. It's Mm. the evidence Mm. that what he had promised has been fulfilled. So the greeting therefore should be more deeper than just Happy Easter. The Christian greeting should be Christ is risen and the response of that greeting, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Mm. So Happy Mm. Easter is a more commercialized form of trying to incorporate the whole act of God's power, raising Jesus from the dead, then but it doesn't point to the actual. It points to the commercial. Whereas John is saying, let's do the actual. What is this day all about? What event are we recalling and and Mm -hmm. seeking to bring meaning to our lives so necessary because he's transformative, is that Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And if that's what we mean when we say Happy Easter, then fine. If that's how we reinterpret the word Easter, then I think we're on the right track. But if we're just using it as just part of the colloquial uh, cliches we make, Hmm. then we've lost the understanding and meaning of it. And so uh, Monique is correct when she's exploring what is the value still in this day and age of saying Happy Easter. Are we still giving meaning to what the day Mm. is? I don't think the word Easter necessarily does it because look, Easter's also caught up with with other um, cultural events that happened that it's time in the northern hemisphere. Mm. It's not necessarily yeah. Christian in any way. Um, uh, it doesn't necessarily have a connection with with the event of his re- of Christ's resurrection. But
0: like we, we we explored quite deeply last year about the whole um, taking over of the pagan rituals yeah. and festivals and that sort of thing. But I I, I stumbled upon some information. Uh, About two weeks ago, and I filed it away for this specific thing because it was a discussion about why time isn't metric. Um, And it boiled down to everyone had just been living their lives with a seven day week and 60 minute hours and 24 hour. Well, that is according to like moon and that sort of cycles, rotation and that. So that's pretty accurate. But. The seven day week is completely arbitrary, but people had just been living that way for a while. There were a couple of cultures who tried to change it. The French tried to change to a 10 day week, if I'm not mistaken, um, after the the revolution, uh, during the Renaissance. Um, So there have been attempts at that. So it's like we are tied to so many compromises because that's just how we could. Or at least the festival could be translated to the broadest possible audience was to fall in line. But I'm going to go into the gospel and, and we'll, we'll talk more about this. So the gospel is according to Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. I'm just going to single out verse 16. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place. They laid him. So continuing with the question we started with on Good Friday about what we crucify. And your response was quite, I I, I listened to it again about three times, one during the edit and then two times like to just go over it. Um, And yeah, like your your response was, was very poignant. So what are we, I know. What, what I think people are looking for on Easter. Because it's just Jesus died, Easter starts a new liturgical year, and it's the same old, same old. So it's like, go to the tomb, he's not there, but, you know, rejoice in the good news. Everything's cool. But are people killing what is problematic and realizing on Easter that that thing isn't there anymore, that they have changed, that they have evolved, Through the Lenten period.
1: Well, The question would be then. What is the purpose of liturgy. And the narrative of scripture. Mm. Why is it necessary. That we recall. The event of Christ. In the calendar that we have. Mm. Why is it necessary for us. To not forget that story. And to tell it at certain points in and bringing in your conversation of time in the in the, the the christian we are saying that in relation to how time is systematized and regulated by the world the christian calendar which is a three year cycle brings into relation with the way we systematize time The event of God and the event of God's time in the events that he brings. So the events that we focus on, uh, what is that beautiful English word that says? It's for time immemorial. Mm. It's an event that needs recall Mm. all the time because it is transformative. It's the defining moments of history for the church. And. It's a revisiting, a recalling in current time what the meaning of that is, given where the world is. And whilst the world has moved on or not moved on, stagnated or stopped, the whole whole area of, of, uh, uh, um, of the crisis of COVID brought about this podcast, which is entitled An Exploration of Faith in a time of crisis. So somebody may come up when the crisis is over. Do we continue to explore faith? Is it only in certain times of uncertainty when faith is explored? Faith and life goes together. There's never a time when faith is not explored. And what is the basis of our faith? You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth,
2: Mm. who was
1: crucified. Why are you looking for him? Why do we go to the tomb or to the cross every year to meet with him? Why do we need to meet him as the one who washes the feet on on Monday, Thursday, and who institutes the Eucharist? Why do we need to be with him on his entry into Palm? Into 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 Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Why do we need to be at the crib when it it's the the celebration of Christmas? What is it about Him um, that that makes the difference for us? Why is He so important? Um, when we are, when the question is, what are you looking for? Isn't that a question you and I explore every day of our lives? Where we we are, we think we have found everything we need for our lives. But because our lives is migratory, we don't sit in one place all the time. We don't read one book all the time. We don't have the same conversations with each other all the time. It moves because we migratory. Our thoughts are rambling on. We're not stagnating there. Uh, The way we converse, the questions we hear, the responses we are making, all of these are telling us what are we looking for. As soon as you discovered something, as you said earlier, of an enlightenment, immediately you're brought to the next part. So what does this enlightenment mean now? Because as soon as you found the light, immediately darkness would seem to appear.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Otherwise, the next question happens. And and that in the cause of the systematizing of human life by calendars and clocks and watches and moon and sun, we are actually living with our thoughts that is not regulated by time. Mm. Um, A behavior that moves us almost immediately into the future while we're still in the present because we're already planning five minutes later what we're going to be doing and what we're going Mm -hmm. to be saying. We're preparing for the future moment in our present time. We look for resources to address that from our past and what we are reading currently. So the events of Jesus um, is that in any given time, we'll always be asking where is he? We want to see Jesus, the Greeks said. Mary, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for here in a graveside, in the place of death? When we go from place to place, we we are looking for something. And until we found the depths of that, um we we will we will not know. But I think the question that got the response um, that Jesus gave was what the thief had mentioned on the cross. Mm -hmm. All I want to know, he said, I'm remembered. Mm -hmm. Who will remember me? And so he looked to Jesus because he's just a number on that cross, another criminal. People will despise him for who he was. You will want to remember it in a comfortable way. Mm. But what does Jesus do? I will not just remember you. i will i will I will ensure that you are you are with me. Where I am, that's where you will be. So he turns to Jesus because he's looking at who will remember him. so there's there's this need we always have. What are we looking for in the next moment we are living, and what is the defining moments that will help us find that which we are looking for? And I think ultimately the human heart searches for God.
2: Mm.
1: Where is God? Where, when? Uh, the psalmist says um, in Psalm forty-two: um, When will? When can I meet God, after whom my soul longs? Psalm forty-two. Uh, My my heart pants like a deer for cooling stream. So is my thirst for God. When can I go and meet this God? Where in this journey will I find this cooling stream? Because we thirst. We are hungry. Mm. Why are you looking for Jesus? Why him crucified? Well, now something new has happened. He's no longer crucified. He's been raised. The evidence... There's a place where he was. He's no more. He's not here. So now you've got to continue looking for him, but no longer just as the crucified Christ. You're looking for him as the one who was raised. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But we don't know how that one looks. We know how the crucified one looks. Will he be the same? Is he the same Jesus that we will meet? Where is the familiarity of him? Because we know him who walked the streets with us. We know the comfort he brought and the message he brought that empowered us. But what does the risen Christ look like? Mm. Will these words be familiar to us? And why does our heart search in our life? For, you know, when you, when, when you hear people in total desperation, no matter how they feel about God, whether they believe him or not, they will say, God, help me. In that moment, we call upon on him when, when Mr. George Floyd, uh, Flo, Flo, what's his name? Um, yeah, George Floyd, mm. was being um, in, uh, in, uh, um, detained by the policeman. He cried out for his mother in a moment of pain and he's dying, he's sensing of his death, he's looking for his mother in that pain. What did the mother resemble that she would be able to uh, release him from
2: that suffering and pain? Mm.
1: Why do we say Happy Easter? What are we wanting people to experience in their lives? Why are we wishing them the happiness of that event? Why do they respond to it? So what is the human heart looking for? What is the human soul thirsty for? You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's been raised. He's not here. Interesting. The white-throbed man doesn't say he's not here. He says he's raised. that's why he's not
0: here. Mm. Mm. but as a as a creative i I can identify with that feeling of of loss of arriving at the empty place, because with each piece of content I produce with each creative decision I take something changes. It's like a piece of me is cut off and something else grows in there. Like I can never be the person I was before I wrote that or I took that picture. <laughs> right. And you find yourself, like I find myself having these moments because like I, I, I'm i a confidence player. So at the moment I'm I'm in an upcycle where Almost everything I touch is gold. Um, everything is working perfectly, but then like tomorrow I might wake up and it's like all those lights were turned off. I can't think of anything. I can't find any motivation to take on any new projects, let alone complete existing projects, because it's just not there. And then you I, you find yourself going to this place and you like, OK, I stored the lightning in this bottle, <laughs> but the <laughs> bottle is empty. Yes. And it's tough. It's, it's yes. tough. And it's tough to come out of that place again. It's yeah. always like some catalyst, some spark that then sets me on the right thing. And like, I, I, I guess it's one of my personal failings that I just kind of live between those tenpole moments, those moments of inspiration. But like through professionalism, you learn to. Do like the daily tasks that you are required to do, you know, get by. But nothing, yeah, nothing is truly as fulfilling as when you produce something that seemingly
1: channeled through you from somewhere else
0: (laughs) that you had no control.
1: That's why the words he has been raised, he's not here, is important. Your exploration continues. Will you find him? Will he find you? And according to the text, he finds us, not we find him. When we find him, we don't recognize him. He then has to help us with recognition by acknowledging who we are. In part of the story, um,
2: Jesus said, Mary,
1: She thought it was the gardener, Mm -hmm. so recognition comes because he has never forgotten who we are. Mm -hmm. So we continue to explore, and he tells: I mean, it's very clear. You found me now, but now go and tell others. Don't Mm -hmm. don't Mm -hmm. hang around here. I want you to spread this news. Um, There's a fluid fluidity about the gospel not to stay in one place like the transfiguration mountain Mm -hmm. you know peter want to build tents Mm -hmm. jesus said no let us go down the fluidity of the experience must be brought into the valley because that's where it will bring hope that god intends
0: But I guess in this this exploration and just looking at the the, the liturgical year that has passed, um, my faith has revealed itself once again. And I've always known this um, because I'm quite introspective as being in myself, in my ability to take myself out of those dark moments, in my ability to find a spark. Again, that 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 is my personal faith, just as um, when. The Hebrews left Egypt or were released from Egypt and there was no food. And Moses had the faith that God would provide, as he said he would. And then (sighs) there was the, the, hence the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Sorry, I I was having to relay. We have a a Judeo-Christian friend uh, and she was looking for unleavened bread. And then we were talking about the Feast of the Passover and all that stuff. Mm. And then uh, there's a lot of interesting symbolism there. Um, and then I want I wanted to give some commentary on like the cultural relevance of pickled fish within because um, we were at the the Spear Light Art Festival on Wednesday evening, and there was one of the videos um, was of the Malay manakur singing and. In this video, like different elements appear. So there's like tigers that walk out, and then there's children, and then there's these things walking across Table Mountain. And then that song ends, and then the klopse appear. So it's like the the cult, the coloured culture, and then the klopse music bowls to this crescendo where you're only focusing on the mouth of the person. And then it becomes like a collage of mouths and like all these different shapes that are not drawn out to the mouths and with the the missing front teeth. And suddenly you get these flashes of Stachy's murder. The Burning Man. And I sat there in complete... I was stunned that it had escalated so quickly. Because I believe the art, what I interpreted was how colored culture went from something that was so celebratory. And then in indulging all of those elements, we came to a point of hedonism where like Stachy was the epitome of the wrong, of the ills of that. And yeah and I was reflecting on like pickled fish and where it fits into like the the Eastern narrative um but yeah i guess I guess my point is that my I've explored my faith in this year, and I've affirmed it again as the faith in myself, and I can never be the person I was before doing this podcast again. Um, and, and I thank you. And I will close on that, Father. And if you can give some closing remarks and then point out some other points of reflection in the praise of the church.
1: Certainly. Thanks very much for sharing that uh, personal testimony. Um, just want to remind people that when you take your prayer books, if you're not able to be in church tomorrow and you go to... The pages addressing the Easter vigil. You'd find there renewal of your baptismal vows if you're able to pray them through this time and also to confirm your faith in the creeds. In our prayers, um, we focus on the night that Christ rose from the dead and we give praise to God for his power in raising and his purpose in raising Jesus, giving us the hope of of his triumph over sin and death, and the promise of the gift of eternal life to all who believe. And um, so we ask that God would unite uh, us with those who have died uh, in the eternal joy of the great hope of the resurrection. We pray also for ourselves and all Christian people, and I hope that we don't exclude others who are not Christian, because we are called to pray for all Christians, for for all people. So Jesus died for all um, and for us to come to faith in the victory of the cross. We also remember that tomorrow there will be seven or Sunday, there'll be seven babies baptized for their. For us in the renewal of our baptism vows, for the babies and their parents and godparents and the vows that they make, and for the eight babies to be baptized on the 18th. God, that God will guide and govern the nations of the earth and help us to know what is right and to do it. And then we pray for all who suffer and are troubled when we remember the Jenica and the Lecay families and all others who experience the death of loved ones during this time. God may grant them the comfort that they need. And healing. And also the knowledge of Jesus's victorious passion. We praise you, Lord God, that you are sovereign over all because you have taken great power and begun to reign. Then as we conclude after the Eucharist. We conclude with the blessing. My sisters and brothers, the peace, the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work, working in you that which is pleasing and good. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon us and remain with us always. Amen. When you go into the new week, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is the Easter cry. In the name of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.